Hello and welcome into the Feels Like 45 podcast. I'm Cade Webb, and as always, I am joined by Dustin Ragusa for our last off-season podcast of this year. Dustin, how are you, man? I'm doing great. We've we've done it, Cade. We're here. I mean, this is it. I mean, we're going to do our superlatives episode today, basically predicting everything we've talked about this entire offseason, predicting the outcomes before next week. I mean, we're you and I are strapping the cleats on next week and we're previewing Central Michigan, right? Yeah. So anyone who joined us after football season, just be prepared I know we've mentioned it on here to try to prepare people a couple of times, but it's going to be all football. Um, If there's a big recruit, big basketball recruit, something like that, we will definitely hit on it, but we will not be doing as much recruiting as much other sports. It's a new, it's a new season for OSU football and for the feels like 45 podcast. Well, so we're, we're all football all the time now. A, a perfect note there is the whole reason we have broken the naming convention of this podcast into seasons is because this week's podcast and next week's podcast are going to feel and sound pretty different. And they will feel different all through football as we break down the previous game, discuss it, preview the next game, and then answer your question. I mean, that that's the podcast right there. And Personally, I can't wait. We had a blast doing it last year. I mean, diving deep into what we're seeing on film. Um, I can't wait. I, I know you guys are excited. I hope you're excited. But yeah, I mean, this is the last episode of season three. And I mean, you and I are, we're coming up on Breaking Bad territory, Justin. We're all ready to season four. Like, <laughs> no time. We're going to be going right into season seven. It's going to be, uh, I feel like it's already to the point where they're like, when are these guys going to wrap this up? Too many seasons. No. The writing's not, terrible. We're not hanging it up, baby. We're just going to keep <laughs> making seasons, and and they're just going to get more and more arbitrary as time goes on. <laughs> hey, you did, mention, you did mention questions. Guys, the amount of questions you send in is so awesome. Like, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but we really appreciate it, the fact that you guys even care enough to send questions in. And maybe you do it because we ask so much, but either way, really appreciate it. They're always great questions. When I get them in the DMs, I make sure to try, try to note them so we can come back and Cade, Cade and I, Cade notes them as well so we can come on and hit those. But the fact that we get questions during the week, not just when we ask, we really appreciate it and makes us uh, makes us feel cool. So well, that, that doesn't normally happen. <laughs> I, I definitely don't feel cool. Um, but I mean, that's an absolutely perfect thing too i mean the engagement we've seen this offseason has has kept us going through the offseason we've had some of our best conversations based off of what we were asked by some of our listeners and it's different than what you and i used to do at our previous podcast like we didn't do this we didn't answer questions from listeners and the fact that we can get dozens in a week just to just so you guys like you would just want to hear us talk about it 
is pretty cool and uh is is a little humbling for me it's like wow okay well let's let's try to not sound like idiots you know uh and that's really really hard for me so uh no just it it means a lot truly and uh dustin thanks for bringing that up i did i did want to just mention one quick thing everybody that usually if you've listened to this podcast you know my love for for red dirt country music dustin i i got to see turnpike this weekend oh yeah i forgot to ask you about that how was it uh, it was magical for the first time I, I've never seen them and they're obviously back on their, you know, uh, rebound tour. Evan's healthy, looks great. Um, but I, they just tore it down in Kansas city and 73 degrees all night, ran into a good buddy of the podcast, Joel Pinfield up there. Uh, oh. just, just a great, great, great concert. And, um, I, I was a little emotional. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know if I'd ever get to see them live. And then there they are. It was amazing. I'm glad you had a good time. It looked like it was a lot of fun. I saw pictures and stuff that you guys posted. So I'm glad you got to, sorry, I forgot to ask. I completely, that completely. Yeah, no, I, I know we had I, talked about it already. I wasn't going to hold it against you. And I certainly wasn't going <laughs> to let it slide. We weren't going to get out of here with me talking about I'm very Turnpike. jealous. Yeah. Well, very, they're coming to Oklahoma city in, uh, in November and they're playing at Paycom. I would highly recommend it's the Iowa state weekend, right? Iowa state um, um, unfortunately it is sir. And yeah. it's going to be right there. It's a blackout <laughs> game. That game is happening at night. So yeah, a little disappointing there. Uh, got to make some choices, but we'll see what happens. I mean, Dustin, let's not, okay, I'm sorry. I, I wanted to say one other thing, you know, back to the questions you brought up, the engagement we've seen. Two of our last most recent podcasts have been two of our most listened to podcasts, and we're not even into football season. I only share that. Dustin, you know this. I only share it with our listeners to just say thank you. Like you got us through the off season and the questions that you've asked, just that you stuck through all of this with us is super exciting. And we've got a really fun podcast for you today as we predict this season. And then we're, we're really excited for the fourth season of this show. And we promise we'll never do what we just did again. And thank you guys like that. No, we won't yeah. get, we won't get emotional 100%, like that. hundred um, percent. Okay. Let's <laughs> tighten it up, tighten it up. Dustin, I'm going to flip it over to you, sir. Uh, we've got some fall camp updates before we move on into the rest of the show. Yeah. Cade fall camp. It's done. We are fully over. We're fully into central Michigan prep. I say we like me and you are on the team, but the team is fully into that. They I mean, finished- we are to be fair. You and I absolutely are. <laughs> they finished fall camp with a couple scrimmages. I know, I believe it was on Saturday morning. There was an 80 play scrimmage in Boone Pickett stadium. And on Friday, 130 play scrimmage in Boone Pickett stadium. So from what from what I'm told, uh, I believe I read this on Pokes Report as well. The Friday scrimmage, the offense did really well, kind of outshined the defense. Spencer Sanders played really well in there. They actually he actually sat out the Saturday scrimmage. He got to see a lot of Gunnar Gundy and Garrett Rangel. Um, they had the full officiating crew in there for the 130 play scrimmage, and now uh, I believe yesterday they started practice back with some scout team stuff. I believe today was special teams and then they're going to go on to they'll have some off days mixed in, but they're going to be getting ready for the game next Thursday. They'll stay in the hotel on game day, but it is full central Michigan prep now. So they'll be having, you know, like their scout team guys trying to emulate central Michigan's offense, central Michigan's defense. So we'll be working through that. And Kate, I'm, I'm ready 
I'm very, very ready for next week's game. Very excited for it. We'll be doing a full next week's podcast. will probably only be a central Michigan preview and then we'll take questions, but outside of kind of just that general overview, let's get the negative out of the way. First Cade, let's talk about a few injuries. One I didn't know about. I don't think me and you had heard about this one. Gundy noted it in his media session, which was a few days ago. Zach Middleton has been out. Uh, I think he, I don't know if it was concussion, but Gundy said he got dinged in the head. I don't think that's like official medical terminology, yeah. but <laughs> that's Gundy's thought. That's Gundy's thoughts on it. He's uh, one of the backup running backs. Zach's been there for a while. Uh, we've seen him on returns um, at times. So pretty dynamic player, but I, I don't think he's going to crack the two deep from, from what you and I have heard and what we've seen, but uh, he's obviously, I'm glad he's back, but he, he was out for a bit. Blaine green Gundy mentioned he won't know for at least a week, 10 days. You and I have heard from a couple of different sources that he did have to have surgery. And my understanding, I don't, I don't know if there is another evaluation they have to do after the surgery, but no matter what, I think he's going to be out for a long time. I think that second evaluation gun he might be talking about is whether he comes back during the season or whether it's the entire season. But I know we mentioned that on a previous podcast, but I think it's all been confirmed now. Yeah, and that's just a – it's not a crushing injury. It's not like losing – one of your starting, uh, you know, running backs or quarterback or middle linebacker in the preseason. You know, even Kansas State's dealing with some of this right now. Texas, um, Oklahoma State hasn't had it to that level, but I, it's like you and I talked about. Blaine Green was going to give them some versatility, some real versatility in the red zone, um, and even and even you know everywhere. And so it really um, does put a damper on it for me. I, I think they still have a great option as you and I talked about in Braden Cassidy, but I think definitely limits some of your explosiveness in, in some of those situations. Yeah, I completely agree. And we'll get into that a little bit more. We're going to talk depth chart. We're going to talk some of the position groups, how they've been performing in camp and at the scrimmages, but just wanted to throw that note out there. Brandon Presley, my understanding is he's still not a full go. I don't, I think it's just precautionary. Now, if he was held out of the Central Michigan game, would that shock you, Cade? I, I mean, at this rate, he's not even, he's not taking contact in, in practice or camp. Um, I mean, you know, you know, my Gundy, he, he's, he's probably not going to run him out there if he's not ready to go. Um, and That's I, I think Oklahoma well. State, I think Oklahoma State can get through that game without Brennan Presley, you know, knock on wood. But I, it wouldn't shock me at all to answer your question. I think we see him on the depth chart. I don't think it's a situation where, you know, Trey Sterling, they took off because they knew he was going to be out a long time last season and started putting Jason Taylor, other guys on there. But I think Brennan Presley shows up on the depth chart, but I would be, I'm going to be interested to see how much he plays in the Central Michigan game. He could be a full go. I just from from what it sounds like he's not a hundred a hundred percent yet, or at least the t the team doctors and the coaching staff don't think he is. But but something to keep an eye on. I don't think it would be a huge deal if he misses misses the Central Michigan game. You want him back for you know bigger games, specifically that Baylor after the non con. So we'll kind of see. We'll keep an eye on that. Going to get this one out of the way now, but we'll come back to it later. And we've got a couple questions on it. Casey Collier. 
don't want to go into too many details because we haven't seen it officially reported anywhere, but from what you and I have heard, he is currently not with the team. Probably won't go into the reasons that we've heard because, again, these are just things that we've heard and haven't seen it reported officially. But Casey Collier, right tackle transfer from USC, is currently not with the team. Yeah, and that I totally agree with you. There's there's a lot swirling. So again, we'll 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 sidestep that. But and it okay, not to interrupt, but it, it's not that we don't want to tell you guys. We just don't want to report information that's wrong. <laughs> right, right. We're not in the news breaking generally industry. So yes. this is one of those that you know we we'd want to have buttoned up for sure before we before we say anything. Um. But what I will say is if he's not with the team for ever, um, I, I was really looking forward to seeing his development and the way he contributed to the team this season. I don't know if he was going to start, you know, at any point in the year, but he was a, a valuable depth piece and um, we'll be very curious to see who steps up in his absence. And, you know, Dustin, the, I think even the bigger story for me with with his departure that's two out of three of this incoming offensive line transfer class that never played a snap i mean that's prince pines and casey collier who you know six months ago you and i felt pretty good or whenever they committed it wasn't six months ago but it, when they committed you and i felt really good about this offensive line class now you got some young guys who's still promising and and jason brooks and so i think that's i think that's as important a story here is just the, the offensive line takes a little bit of, of a depth hit once again you're spot on it's you and i aren't as concerned about the offensive line as i think we were a few months ago but with stuff like this you just don't want to lose these depth pizzas like you said i, I don't think he was going to be the game one starter but he's a guy who had potential we heard a lot of good things about him we know he was running with the twos at the tackle spot which you know we've had some concerns about so it's just tough, but but you're right. It's just it's just another thing you don't want to hear about the offensive line, and you know which Casey Collier all the best. Maybe he can. I, I mean, you know, maybe he makes it back on the team. Maybe not. But well, that's all we know for now. And then the last one, and this is probably not that any injury is worse than another. But my guy Jeff Robertson, yeah, linebacker. we I, had him on our two deep. Been hearing so many good things about him. Derek Mason ranting and raving about him. It sounds like he is going to be out for a significant amount of time. Again, this is another one I haven't seen officially reported, but from what we're hearing, it sounds like it might be a long-term injury, and that's tough to hear. The good thing is he's still got some eligibility left. He'll be back, but I was really looking forward to seeing him, especially in these non-con games. Yeah, 100%. I, I think when we put him on our depth chart, I think that raised some eyebrows um, for people that may not have been listening or may not have been aware of, of him but uh, it's it's a blow for sure, especially if he was going to actually factor into that too deep. Um, I, it's a bummer. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Well, let's get off the negatives, Cade, and let's yeah. move into some positive stuff. I did want to get your take. I know let's not spend too much time on backup quarterbacks, but Mike Gundy just bringing up randomly in the media session, not even really asked, the backup quarterback situation He's saying he's comfortable with throwing either of those guys out there after Sanders, meaning, you know, in the non-con, if they get up by a lot, or obviously, God forbid, there was a Spencer Sanders injury. He sounds comfortable with Rangel and his his son, Gunner. 
I just thought that was a little shocking because he's normal. Mike Gundy doesn't love talking about back quarterback battles, things like that. And even with, especially you would think with his son involved in it, but he's saying, you know, either guy out there, he, he thinks they can go out and win it. I just feel like that we're not getting normal Mike Gundy. I feel like the the curtain has been lifted. I don't know if it's Weiberg and Shrum being around. I don't know if he's like thinking we're going 13 and 0, but this is this is a different Mike Gundy. And I will also say that I, I think Gunner, and, and I'm I'm more surprised by Garrett Rangel being thrown into that conversation. Cause I, I think it's a clear in my mind, one, two, and three with what you have right now with Spencer being one gunner being two and Ray Gale being three, but you know, Mike saying he's comfortable throwing either of those guys out there. If need be is, is very interesting and probably means more good things on the Garrett Rangel front lately. Um, then, you know, maybe we had even discussed, we hadn't really talked much about that. So. Yeah. It's great to hear him say that about Rangel. Cause you and I were both pretty high on him. I hadn't heard a ton of super positive things about him in camp, just that he's looked good, but you know, there's growing pains there. He's a true freshman, but the fact that he got there early, I think Gundy likes that he was there in the spring. Right. And he's able to kind of learn the offense. It seems like he's very eager. And, you know, I, I liked what I saw from Gunnar Gundy in high school at the practice I went to last year. So I think what's going to happen in my opinion is you're going to see an or in between those guys on the depth chart. But I think Gunnar Gundy is the first quarterback off the bench in the game, like in in game action when Which, they're up by a hundred points on Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right. I would be stunned if it was any other way. I I think Gunnar's going to have some. I I think he could be another guy that raises eyebrows, and I would expect that his development in the off season um, was was decently substantial with the with the. Reps that Shane Ellingworth was getting that are now, you know, Gunner Gundy's, I would expect that there's been a jump. Yeah. And I think Rangel has gotten into that point. I think Rangel's gotten a lot of reps because we heard Gundy talk about what, through COVID and everything, they started giving the second and third string more reps just to right. get guys ready to go. And he's kind of, he's said that he has continued with a similar process to that. So I think Rangel and Gunner are getting a lot of reps. I mean, I mentioned it at the beginning of the pod the Saturday scrimmage, Spencer Sanders didn't even play. So you're getting a lot of reps for these backup guys. And speaking of Spencer Sanders, another award watch list for him, the Manning Award. So now he's got Manning, Maxwell, Davey O'Brien, Walter Camp, just racking them up. That's that's sick. I he's he's gonna have a big year, I I think. He needs to or we might have to retire from podcasting. <laughs> No, I mean, we were on the Spencer train all last year, and we were right. We're riding it straight into 2023. That's you and me, Dustin. Oh, Still uh, yeah, on it. we're not, we're not, we're not. You and I, you know soon. what? You and I are the dirty teddy bear strapped to the front of the Spencer Sanders <laughs> Mack truck driving down the highway. That's what we are. And I'm fine with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm having 100%. a good time. And one last thing on Gunnar Gundy. On OSX, he had the offensive line, who we'll talk about next, over to his dad, to his parents' house for a pool party. And those guys seem to really enjoy that. So Gunner's obviously making great friends with the offensive line. I guess they were giving him a hard time because he doesn't, he doesn't hang out with them outside of practice. And so he, uh, he showed him a good time at his dad's place. A nice, nice little spot uh, to be able to take people yeah. when your dad's Mike Gundy. Cause uh, obviously if you've never seen his house before, you can see it in this video, but 
It's pretty sick. Yeah, you mean the North Oklahoma Cabela's? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's Preston Wilson said it's like going to a Bass Pro Shop every time you go. Over right. There. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> There's been enough out there about it before. Like I've seen that pool. I mean, it's magnificent. I mean, it's phenomenal. And speaking of our guy, Preston Wilson, who I think Kate and I are going to talk about a lot this year, he seems to be doing really well at the center position. One thing I've heard, I think it was Robert Allen, and then I think Zach Lancaster mentioned it on the Pokes Report podcast. I guess Preston Wilson's been getting a little physical with the defensive line, kind of chopping things up at practice, getting a little nasty. So Good. I mean, think about the guys that he must be getting. I mean, that's Tyler Lacey, Brennan Evers, Nathan Latou. I mean, all the guys you and I probably wouldn't want to go up against. So good. I'm glad. <laughs> and then Gundy continues to say, you know, they've got a number of guys working through different positions that can rotate in. He seems to feel pretty confident about seven guys. And if Collier is one of them, maybe six, but I think Caleb Etienne, Taylor Materico, Preston Wilson, Hunter Woodard, and Jake Springfield are going to be the guys. And then Joe Maholski, Tyrone Weber, Jason Brooks kind of mix in there. So I think it's about seven or eight that he feels pretty, pretty comfortable with, but I, We'll break it down more when we get, we're going to talk about the depth chart that Robert Allen released, but I, I think those are, those are your guys. And I think Charlie Dickey, Gundy and Casey Dunn feel comfortable. Maybe all the fans don't feel comfortable, but that's who they feel comfortable with running out there. Those same five have been getting pretty much all the reps with the ones with like Weber, Maholsky and Brooks rotating in, which is, I think a better situation than we were in last year with the injuries and everything and kind of playing musical chairs throughout the non-con. Well, I mean, that's exactly where I was headed. Can we please just get through Central Michigan healthy on the offensive line? I mean, <laughs> watching Cole Berman, or uh, I'm sorry, who who ran off last year early? Cole was, was at the pool party, yeah. by the way, walking around. That's what I, I I read that, actually. I haven't got to see the latest episode. But, um, I mean, the two injuries in, in the non-con against Tulsa last year, I mean, in the first two quarters, you got two guys limping off with nearly season-ending injuries. I mean, it's, it, let's just get through Central Michigan, please. And you had – Offensive line's always going to play hurt through the first game or through the season, but you know, Sills and Danny Godlevsky are hanging on by threads through most of the season. And when they're, you know, two of your better offensive linemen. So I think, I do think, I know there's some question marks. I know, I know some people don't feel comfortable with Jake Springfield. I know some people don't feel comfortable with Caleb Etienne since he hasn't really had a lot of time out there, Taylor Maturko. But I think these guys are going to impress and having Weber. Brooks and Maholsky behind them, and not to mention guys like Eli Russ. I think they're going to be okay. Well, I mean, I would I would think that Caleb Etienne and Jake Springfield and everybody playing tackle has gotten some really, really good reps this offseason, having to go up against Trace Ford and Colin Oliver every day. I mean, it sounds miserable. It sounds absolutely miserable, but there's really not – I mean, there's only a handful of better pass rushers or even not even better comparable pass rushers that they're going to see this season. So you would yeah. think that 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 leads to elevated play at tackle potentially. And Cade, those guys that they'll be blocking for the running backs, we may have we might have a slight Brandon Whedon situation with DeAndre Jackson. Oh. It sounds like he's a when the lights come on, he turns it up a notch type of guy you that's know we, like, Gundy always like you. said Whedon wasn't a great practice player <laughs> yeah Gundy always said Whedon wasn't a great practice player and then he dominated in the games it sounds like DeAndre Jackson performed really really well in both of the scrimmages 
I'm not saying he's going to come out there as RB1, but I think he gets some carries this season. And like we mentioned on previous podcasts, he's a very good pass protector. And if he's able to do that and make the most out of the carries he gets, I think they start increasing as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love the Brandon Whedon comparison. Um, <laughs> we actually got a question a little much. about, I mean, if he becomes the greatest running back in school history, that would be pretty insane. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, we have talked about it, and we actually got a question about who's going to be RB2. I mean, I feel really comfortable in saying right now that it seems like DeAndre Jackson has – at least impressed enough to where I feel better about saying he's number two than Jaden Nixon, just based on what we've heard. It's just been a lot of talk about him specifically. So I think Gundy likes the fact and Casey Dunn as well, that he's, you know, 5'11, 215 pounds. He's been in college for a little while now and can take some of the hits. Cause Gundy keeps going back to that with Ollie Gordon. The fact that, you know, he's a big kid. You know, looks great, very strong, but he just hasn't taken the type of hitch that you'll take at the power five college level. Yep. And he's a little worried about that, which that's no surprise. That's how Mike Gundy's always been. And I'm not saying it's, it's a bad thing, but I think, I think Deandre Jackson is a little bit different than that with his body type. The fact that he was at AM taking hits from those guys in practice, getting some game action. And I, I think they like that along with him being a good pass protector. Yeah, 100%. I mean, it feel, pass blocking from a running back is a requirement for Mike Gundy, it feels like. So no no surprise there. Um, just wonder, I, I can't wait to see what he gives you. Like, what what's even his skill set? I mean, we we just, there's very little film on him. Very yeah, little. down seven plays. Yeah, I right. I, I put every single play he played at a and on film. So, <laughs> so you really don't know what you get out of him as a fan. Like we just haven't seen him. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. And I do, I do think, I do think he has some talent that he, I know we're talking about pass protection, which is huge when, especially if you have question marks on your offensive line at the tackle spots. But I think, I think he can run the football too. Like you said, I, I'm interested to see what he's got. And then apparently Ollie Gordon in one of the scrimmages was the leading rusher. Oh, not that it was very many yards. I think the defense is pretty intense, but I think Ollie Gordon's been performing well. I think it's going to be really, really hard to keep him off the field as much as Mike Gundy may want to him being only 18, an 18 year old kid, as he always brings up every time you bring up Ollie Gordon, I think it's going to be really tough to keep him off the field. Yeah. I mean, that would be an answered prayer, right? I mean, <laughs> we, the, the running back conversation is one of the most fascinating to me going into the season. You, you're an offensive line guy. I am too. But the running back depth chart, it feels like every week that's going to potentially shift, not in terms of who's one, who's two, but how many carries does whoever is at one get? How many carries goes to RB2? How many go to RB3? That's going to change every single week. And the recipient of those carries might also change every single week. So I, I'm pumped no, yeah. about running back. You're hundred percent right on that. That's going to be one of the, one of the bigger things I think we're looking at this season is who kind of steps up in that spot. And like you said, it may change game to game and it may not even be a bad thing. Maybe it's matchup right. based. So we'll see um, on the wide receivers, just to keep moving along the offense, a name that's been popping up recently. Well, I feel like you and I, or maybe just me have done a pretty bad job of bringing up because we talked a lot about his brother until the injury is Bryson green. Yeah. 
apparently he's been making some plays and he's he's running at that Z spot with that's the Tylen Wallen, Tylen Wallace, James Washington, Tay Martin position behind Braden really? Johnson. And he has been performing pretty well along with Langston Anderson and Braden Johnson. We've been talking about him all fall camp. I know you and I have our concerns with how he's performed at times on the outside. We like him more as a slot guy, but him and Spencer Sanders seem to have some really good connection. Like just mint, like they know where they know where each other's going to be. They know where they're going to throw the ball, where to be at, where to beat the defense. And it makes sense because they've been on the same team, even though Braden Johnson was out all last year, they've been playing together for a really long time. So it's great to hear. I hope it's not all just noise because I think Braden Johnson is very talented, but I'm going to be really interested to see how he fares at that Z spot, which in the past has been the high volume receiver spot for Oklahoma State. Yeah, that's that's so interesting. So you've got Jaden Bray at the X, essentially. Um, yeah, which, and I I that, think I would think of that not to interrupt you, kid, but I think I would think of it as kind of like a like the Marcel Aitman X role as yeah. compared to how we've seen it the past couple seasons. Yeah, I was trying to envision that because I, I, I actually I love the comparison there. I think he will be the the contested catch in the red zone target, uh, but they may try to get some chunk yardage with Braden Johnson. They may try to go over the top with those two guys. And I mean, Bryson Green gives me Tracy Moore vibes. Um, so I'm I'm interested to see how the offense changes. Because Braden Johnson is a burner. Bryson Green, not necessarily the same top end speed, but we've seen he's, I mean, he's a contested catch type of receiver. Like he's he's physical. And so I'm interested to see how the offense looks with either of those guys out there. Um, again, I love Braden Johnson at the slot, but I mean, if if I can be talked into, you know, post routes with, you know, Braden Johnson deep into the end zone, that's no problem. <laughs> Along with those guys, you know, John Paul Richardson, Rashad Owens, Cabinus, all still performing well. Well, speaking Langston of Rashad Owens, I didn't mean to cut you off. We're talking about Cowboy back. I mean, any chance, and I think we got asked this. I, I don't know if we were. This would, may have been something that was asked to me. My brother even brought it up. Rashad Owens, big-bodied receiver. Any chance you slip him in? Because he may be somebody that gets shuffled around in the depth chart that might not see the field as much. Any chance there's a package for him at Cowboy Back? Just curious. So he looks huge, and I think it's a great thing to bring up, and he's very strong. I think my concern with Owens, and we saw him do some good things blocking on the on the outside at times last season, is you know there were some of the mental lapses last year Definitely. on routes, things like that, and learning all of the blocking assignments that come along with playing a true Cowboy Back that quickly like if he wasn't already doing it which we hadn't heard that he was if they're kind of throwing him in that position now I think it would be tough for him to get up to speed anytime soon maybe he could do that you know mid-season by the end of the season but I would be I would be a little worried to do that with some of the question marks we have at running back and you know obviously we still need to see the how the offensive line is operating I, I love the idea, and I think it brings the passing game dynamicness that Blaine Green brought back to that cowboy back position. But it wouldn't be my favorite option ever, but I love the idea. Yeah. No, just curious. I'd seen a couple people talk about it and curious to get your opinion on it. I think I agree with everything you said there. Well, speaking of cowboy back, 
apparently Jake Schultz, our guy, who's gone from linebacker to defensive end. I remember we brought it up on the pa- the podcast when the roster came out. We were like, Jake Schultz is cowboy back now. When did that happen? Oh, I mean, he had previously been a defensive end, and now I, I guess he's running with the twos behind Cassidy. Could the cowboy back- said he's gonna play? Could the cowboy back room have its own OSU Max documentary? Because the. <laughs> The guys that have come from the other end of the field or like go from special teams to cowboy back or whatever. I mean, that tends to be like the catch all for the guys that kind of get lost. It feels like, or the undersized offensive linemen. Um, I joke of course, because vitally important position, but um, it's, I, it's becoming a tradition. Like who's the guy that wasn't a cowboy back last year. That is now. It, it's a great thing to bring we up. We should take prop bets. We should have had that in our superlatives. If you would have told me after Blaine Green went down that Jake Schultz was next man up, I, I would have been pretty surprised. I thought it would be a Quentin Stewart or maybe even a Quentin Stewart and Tabry Shetran or even a Luke McIndoe, Coach McIndoe's son, who knows a walk-on. But I just when you switch positions like that and then you get thrown straight into the two deep, he must be killing it. And like I said, Gundy literally said he's going to play as part of his quote on him. So I I guess he moved there in the spring, and he's gotten enough time to kind of understand the position. I'm talking about, you know, understanding those blocking assignments for Rashad. Now you see Jake Schultz moving his way up to the two deep. So what do yeah. I know? Yeah. But well. it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I have nothing really to break down on him because I've never seen him play Cowboy. Back. Yeah, because so, we don't, I, we don't I, know him. I don't remember much from his high school film of, of that. So, yeah, hundred percent. I'm um, the cowboy back is as big a question mark to me now. I mean, as, as we start talking about this, it's like outside of Braden Cassidy, the offense is going to change based on who's out there too. So, um, yeah, I, I don't have anything to add other than that's something I'm looking for week one. The one thing there, I know I know there's some concern, obviously, with depth, with Blaine Green out. But the one thing I would say there is I do think one way to kind of counter, you know, Cassidy and Schultz getting too many snaps, getting winded, is you can go more 10 personnel. And I think they will do that. Like I said, it's it's not going to be great for your running game, taking that extra blocker off the field. But when you have so many dynamic receivers – you're able to do that at times for some series and kind of switch things up with the defense. What kind of what you were going to be able to do with a Blaine Green out there, you can still do that by putting an extra receiver on the field and spreading the defense out. So I do think we see more 10 personnel than we did last year, which we didn't see very much at all, especially if you were counting Blaine Green as a cowboy back. They, you know, maybe four or five plays a game at max. So I, I do think we see that increase a little, not like their base offense or anything, but I, I, I wanted to throw out that I could see that being part of the game plan. I mean, I sure do love some inside zone 10 personnel. So uh, it's <laughs> one of my favorites. <laughs> the old, uh, the old art brows, Viren Oh, style. you know it. Yep. Um, okay. Let's switch to the defense. If that's cool with UK defensive yeah. line, just a couple quick notes, same names. So it's, it's almost feels redundant, but Nathan Latou, Trace Ford, Colin Clay, who we put in our two deep, he's finally starting to, get some recognition now, I believe from the media, we had heard he was doing really well at extreme camp. Um, I guess Lacey is playing pretty often on the inside 
and Latou and Walter Scheid at that defensive end with the hand in the ground, that field side defensive end. So that's pretty interesting. And I guess Trace Ford is just kind of fully back full strength. Now you saw him in those OSU max videos and he looks good. He said, you know, he still thinks about that knee, but apparently he looks really good. Yeah. And he was, he was described as a monster by, by somebody that was there. Yeah. So that'll be awesome to see him out there again. Sione C playing really well. I saw he got named to the Polynesian college football player of the year award watch list. And two names, Kate, I wanted to throw at you that we haven't heard much about that I believe are performing pretty well now. I think I saw Robert Allen say this. Jaleel Johnson and Deshaun Brown, two of the young guys. Ooh, you know what? I thought about Deshaun Brown earlier this week, was curious how things were going, and I had also heard the Putnam City kid, Jaleel Johnson, uh, has been making some waves. So nice to hear <laughs> that from another person as well. Not shocking. I mean, we were pretty high on both of those guys as they came in. Just their frame, like – and and you know body by glass is going to do something for those kids i mean are they next up you think i mean seems to be they're moving in the right direction i just think that leo position at oklahoma state is going to be good for a long time because with the names that have been coming out of that position getting to the nfl yep and especially with the guys you have there right now with brock morton trace ford and colin oliver it's just going to help recruiting so much. You've got the pipeline to all these Oklahoma schools that see these Oklahoma guys like Ford and Oliver just competing at this high level. I, I just think this this position is in a good spot, especially with Greg Richmond there coaching them. Oh, spot on. I love the way you broke that down. They've got some really high caliber, uh, even prospects that they've been in on. Um, absolutely love it. Linebackers, we mentioned Robertson's tough. But apparently Nick Martin's playing really well. Xavier Benson, when we get to superlatives, he's going to be my answer for like everything on the defense. So I won't talk too much about him right now. Uh, so Joe Bob Clements said it's going to be hard to keep Nick Martin off the field. And Good. Derek Mason agreed. That's great to hear. And then a name, Cade, that's popped up now with Robertson out. Nadrian Dizadere. The How forgotten, about that? The forgotten one. I don't think we've said his name on this podcast since maybe our old podcast when he was getting recruited. You might be correct in that. Um, print the shirt, the forgotten one. Let's get an NIL deal together. Uh, copyright, I just copyrighted that. So in case I see a Nadrian Dizidere shirt floating around there. But that's fantastic. I mean, they're going to need depth, especially if Jeff Robinson, Jeff Robertson really is uh, out for a really extended period of time. Yeah, and he's a guy that can play behind Benson, super athletic, can play that outside linebacker, weak side linebacker spot that you'd see Malcolm Rodriguez, Manning. So um, that'll be interesting. I'm going to be really, really interested to see him play. I don't even remember – I know he played in the spring game, but I don't remember him popping or anything like that to me. I, I obviously wasn't really looking for him because we hadn't really heard his name a lot. So that, that that's really cool. I'm I'm really glad to see him kind of – maybe possibly crack the rotation. So, and then let's finish with the DBs, Kendall Daniels. It sounds like Kendall Daniels is going to be the guy that's making huge plays, but that's also making some just kind of inexperienced mistakes. And Kate, I'm completely fine with that because I think the big (laughs) plays are going to truly outweigh it. And I'm going to say it right now. I'm sure I'm not going to hold to this, but I'm not going to get mad at him no matter what happens. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. I won't hold you to that, but I will just remember you saying that. Um, I totally agree with you. Some of the things we've heard, that's the case. Like he's going to make some wow plays. 
But of course he's, I mean, redshirt freshman at that safety spot, he's absolutely going to make some decisions and plays that frustrates you. That's just part of it. Um, he's going to iron that out though. Um, and his talent is off the charts. I mean, again, have heard the explosiveness is something we haven't seen at that position in a long time. So, I mean, Dustin, you excited about that? Oh, I'm so excited. I'm really ready to see Kendall Daniels play along with him. Cam Smith backing up. I believe he's backing up Corey black. I heard he's looked really good. And then everybody, I mean, we've mentioned it a million times on here, but uh, apparently Jabbar Muhammad is just amazing. Which, which we know. I don't even know. I mean, what's the ceiling if Jabbar Muhammad is amazing? Like what, what if he is second team, all big 12, good honorable mention, all big 12, good. I mean, is this, that to me, that elevates this defense a notch. If you've got a true lockdown corner, I, I think that takes this defense to a whole nother level. Oh, I a hundred percent agree. Especially if, you know, if they have him playing into the boundary, you don't have to roll a safety over the top over there and he can just kind of get physical with the, with whatever receivers over there and just completely take him out of the play. That's going to be amazing. It's going to be huge, especially when you've got such talent on the defensive line to be able to get to the quarterback, then you can bring safety help to the other side. Not that Black really needs it, but you can have it over there. You can have your safeties maybe roaming a little more free, like a Jason Taylor, to kind of make some plays on his own and you know some cover one situations, or if you're in quarters. So it'll be it'll be really, really fun to watch these defensive backs. I think people are going to be really surprised at how talented and athletic these guys are with how many people Oklahoma State's defense lost last year. Well, that's where I was headed. This defense is going to look a lot different, but dare I say that they may on the field look more rangy and athletic sideline to sideline. I think they're going to be faster. Um, Not that Malcolm Rodriguez and Devin Harper, their their loss is going to be felt in so many other ways than just overall team speed. But I think team speed bumps up a notch when you talk about Xavier Benson, Mason Cobb, Kendall Daniels, Jabbar Muhammad. Like, I think team speed on the defensive side could potentially increase and look a little better than it did last year. But what you gain in that, you absolutely could lose and will lose. I mean, let's just call it how it is. Will lose in sound, fundamental uh, gap assignments you know from a rodriguez or harper like you you will lose something there yeah and it's just gonna it that's what happens when you lose these really talented players i mean you're not going to take them off the field when they're there so the guys behind them aren't going to get as much snaps i think it was Derek mason that said it you know it's not replacing devin harper and malcolm rodriguez it's replacing their production and you know maybe that's by committee you know, that's the four guys you're rotating in there. They just have to be sound, be physical, know their assignments, and you don't have to be Malcolm Rodriguez. You just have to be a good overall sound unit that works together with this defense. So, 100%. I can't wait. I can't wait to see what the defense looks like. I yeah, mean, they're going to be, oh, they're going to be confident, right? Like they're going to go into this season believing they can be a top 10 defense again. 
Like there's no oh, reason 100%. to think that they won't think that, uh, you know, media will tell you that that's, they're going to take a big step back. I don't, I don't see it. I just don't. I yeah, think this is going to be a good, good defense. I think they'll have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Like you mentioned with the media, just with them saying that they've lost the step, they lost Jim Knowles. I think they'll come out and perform really well. So I have an idea, I, Dustin, you and I, Let's clip this on its own. Let's say something really bad about the defense. Let's just clip it and anonymously send it to the coaches <laughs> and they can play it. You in? Some bulletin board material? Yeah, 100%. I like, I like that <laughs> okay. idea. All right. I do like that idea. We'll talk more um, offline. <laughs> Real quick, uh, Robert Allen released a depth chart guess on Pokes Report. And the reason why we wanted to bring it up is because Robert Allen gets a lot more access than the rest of the media. So he normally has a pretty good idea on a lot of these things. We're not going to go through the whole depth chart since we just kind of went position group by position group. But, Kate, there were a couple interesting things I wanted to call out. First off on the offense, we mentioned this, but Gunnar Gundy, Garrett Rangel have an or by their name. I think you and I believe that if Spencer Sanders were to go down or if they were to get up big in the non-con, it would be Gunnar Gundy. But I agree with Robert. I think there's going to be an or on that depth chart between Gunny yeah. and Rangel. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I mean, I yeah, nothing to add other than than I would agree with that. The running backs behind Dominic Richardson are all ors. <laughs> DeAndre Jackson or Ollie Gordon or Jaden Nixon. So that, that tracks. I, I don't think that's how the depth chart is going to look. Maybe I, I would be shocked if they triple triple or it there i think it'll probably show dom and then an or of andre jackson Jaden nixon i could see ollie gordon being left off maybe the first one but if he's not i i mean i wouldn't be surprised by that either yeah yeah no doubt running back gonna be interesting cowboy back we mentioned jake schultz he's showing him as number two um x receiver Jaden bray langston anderson rashad owens i know i was talking that we were talking to adam lunt little surprised that Langston Anderson wouldn't be at the Z spot, but we'll kind of see how that plays out. They may move these guys around. I think the outside receivers know kind of both positions. They're so talented. You got to kind of teach them everything because if somebody goes down, you're not going to just want to put the next X up. You're going to want to put the next best receiver up. So I think those might be interchangeable at the X and Z, and the Zs are Braden Johnson, Bryson Green, Kale Cabanis, who – I had heard previously that Kale Cabinets was running the slot, so I'm not 100% sure on that. But we'll we'll kind of see any any question marks, concerns there with the X and Z spots and slot receiver. Nothing nothing really to add there. It's the same guys we've know about, known about. Yeah, no, not not necessarily. The Langston Anderson, though, to to your point, is kind of that wild card. Like, is he? I think he is an X and is a Z. Like, he could be both. I think you make a really good point there. Like, he could be next person up at either one of those spots if somebody were to go down. I hadn't really considered that, but but great point. The only thing on the offensive line I wanted to call out, because pretty much everybody on the two deep is who we put out there, is with Casey Collier gone, you've got Jason Brooks behind Springfield at right tackle, and then behind Etienne is freshman who didn't come in the spring. He came in the summer. We love, but just shocking to me, Austin Kowecki. yeah. I would have thought it would have been maybe somebody like Logan Nobles, who we know was getting a lot of reps there in the spring with everybody injured. Do you do you truly think if Etienne went down and Brooks went down, 
that the next guy up to play left tackle <laughs> is freshman Austin Kowecki. Excuse me while I excuse myself first. No, I mean, I hope not, but that's not because it's Austin Kowecki. That's because you really would like to have a little more depth at that position to where that's not your next best option. Um, I, I think it probably is. I just wish it wasn't. Yeah, and I, if that situation does happen, which we hope it doesn't, I think Kowecki's a guy that you know pancakes a guy one play and then completely blows an assignment and lets up a sack on the next. And not because I don't think he's good. I think he's going to be a like Big Twelve caliber offense, yeah. all Big Twelve caliber offensive lineman later on. It's just throwing a true freshman out there who got there in the summer is a little scary. But you know, we've seen I wasn't Notre Dame had that true freshman offensive lineman out there last year, correct? At tackle, hundred percent, and yeah. and they were not bad. Like they they figured it out. Um, the former five star guy, but still, I think Kowecki's really. I good. mean, in the event of that, though, like the scenario you just laid out, that's not the way I would see it playing out. I think if you were to get to a point where you had that significant an issue at left tackle, I mean, the whole offensive line at that point is is moving right. Like you got to start talking about. Do you move Springfield to left tackle and then ship Wilson out to right tackle and then throw Mahalski at center? Like Materko could play tackle as well. Everything Eli Rusk changes. Could play center. So yeah. I, I think I will answer your initial question with no, I don't expect that. Um, because if you have something that dire, you need somebody who's played played tackle before out there um, that, that knows the speed. Now, the one positive is with him getting the two reps there, or a majority of them, is he'll be full on ready to go next year, and I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, that that is a great point. Always looking towards the future, you, Dustin. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, Cade. I think – was there anything else we wanted to note on here? I, you know, Nathan Latou or Cody Walterscheid, we, we kind of expected that. Any- Robert actually threw Tyler Lacey – at defensive tackle and defensive end, which I think is interesting just with him playing inside. We talked about Dizadere, Donovan Stevens, Ray Gay at the strike safety spot, moving over from corner. Mm. Uh, but I think we talked about most of these either earlier in the pod or on our depth chart pod. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think we've named every player on the roster. I, <laughs> I think we got it. And that is how you break down the depth chart. But uh, no, Caden, now to the fun part. Not that that wasn't fun. A little season superlatives? 100%. But before we do that, Dustin, let's take a break and hear a word from one of our sponsors. Check out Homefield Apparel's new Oklahoma State line. I don't know if you have. I know Dustin and I both are rocking the new Homefield Apparel shirts that have just gone live on their website at homefieldapparel.com. I mean, the curse of cowboys across the chest is absolutely gorgeous. I don't know if you guys have seen the Pistol Patty t-shirt, but it is great as well. And Homefield Apparel is doing phenomenal stuff, even outside of Oklahoma State sports. If you go on their website right now, you can see potential future Big 12 members, Colorado, with a throwback t-shirt on their website i'm just a big fan of home field stuff and the quality is unbelievable so check them out at homefieldapparel.com and when you use our promo code feels 12 
you actually will get a discount. That's right. Feels 12. We get you 15% off your first order when you use our promo code feels 12 at homefieldapparel.com. Check them out right now and tell them that the feels like 45 podcast. All right, Dustin, welcome back. I mean, just a phenomenal breakdown as I stand applauding you in my guest room. Um, (laughs) Great breakdown there. What a way to wrap up fall camp. I mean, it's been so fun to talk about the what ifs of this team. I'm ready to get to the what's and and the hows and everything else that we're going to see as these games roll out. So I can't wait for that. Before we do that, though, the thing that we've been waiting for, you've all been waiting for, allegedly, presumptively, are offseason superlatives. I mean, we're going to let's let's do some over unders, Dustin. Let's pick some some winners and some leaders of this team so Cade we got a couple of questions that are related to this so we may we may do superlatives now and then hit a couple in the questions but awesome um we just didn't want to go back and forth I thought thought that would get a little clunky so we're going to do ours the ones that we came up with right now so I'll go through and ask them to Cade and then we'll kind of tell our answers do a little discussion on each one so Let's start on the offense. We'll do. We'll go through the offense first. Kate, who is going to be the leading rusher in terms of yards? I wanted to clarify that just just so we didn't think just carries, but in terms of yards at season's end. And we're, let's let's just caveat this. Let's say no injuries. Let's say no injuries. Yeah, and that should be the case for all of this, right? This yes. is the way the no depth injuries, chart. Yeah, besides the ones we already know about. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I I think I have to go with Dominic Richardson just because I think you know the most about him going into this season. But I mean, would it shock you if DeAndre Jackson or a an Ollie Gordon, for that matter, come out of nowhere? It wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't. I, I do love your call with Richardson, though, just because I think he's going to get the nod early on. Unless, you know, there's a little bit, we've heard a little bit of ball security issues there, but if he's cleaned that up, he's obviously going to get the ball, you know, at the beginning of drives to start things off at the half when they're in the middle of the field. And maybe things change in the red zone or on third down at times, but I think he's going to get the most opportunities early. And I expect him to make the most of it. I'm not saying I think he's you know, an OSU all-time great, but I think he's a very talented back. We saw it at times last year. So I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I think I'm going to go Dominic Richardson as well. But to your point, I mean, if C.J. Brown in the year is the leading rusher, I, that wouldn't even shock me. Like, I just have no idea what's going to happen with the running back spot. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Zach Middleton. Yes, that would be – no, that would be shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like Dominic Richardson for every, like today, the way I see it for every one carry that an Ollie Gordon or every one carry that a Deandre Jackson gets Dominic's getting two or three. So I think he has to be the guy you pick to start the year. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you're hundred percent. Right. Okay. This one. Maybe a little bit more. Di- Actually, that one was really difficult, but this one I think is equally as difficult. Does any one running back have over 750 yards rushing at the end of the season? Yeah, this this one puts me in a pretzel. 
Um, so the reason why I picked that number, I think it was a the year when Chuba didn't play the full season. Uh, I don't have it up anymore, but basically that year, I think it was the year before Chuba had the huge breakout. Maybe it was the year after. Okay, yes. Yeah, so it was Justice Hill played ten games. Chuba played thirteen, and then LD Brown played in six. And they went. Justice had nine hundred thirty. Chuba had seven hundred and forty yards. And then after Sheesh. that, LD and JD King had like one sixty three, one fifty four, one fifty three. So you know, Justice and Chuba obviously were one and two. But you had other guys in the mix. You had some injuries in there. That's why I went with that seven fifty because Chuba's was right at seven forty that season. That was twenty eighteen. That's why I went with that number. Truthfully, I think it's going to be like Dom has 690 and DeAndre Jackson has 400 and Jaden Nixon has 350. Like, you know, I, I think it might end up being a breakdown like that. I just, I'm not sure one guy is going to truly supplant himself. Like we mentioned earlier, as the number one guy, don't necessarily know if it's a bad thing we you know we've seen other schools go running back by committee and have success i mean lsu does it every single year right so i i mean what what, what is your answer on i i think i will go with they have one running back over 750 yards i do not think they're gonna have two running backs over 700 yards as yeah. like they did with justice and chuba i mean i i, I think Dominic Richardson is going to have that many care or that he's going to have enough of the load early on. And I ultimately think he does separate himself as the guy that gets the bulk of the carries for most of the year. Um, I've, everybody would love to say Ollie Gordon, but until you see it, I just, I, I'm not ready to bet that. So um, I will go with Dominic Richardson and I will go with him getting over 750 yards because I just think he's the most, Sure thing. And Mike Gundy loves to run the football and they're going to run the football. So somebody is going to get the bulk of the carries. Um, I just, I just think it's him. If I'm going to go hot take, we'll throw in a couple hot takes throughout these. Oh, you got, yeah. So here's, here's a running back. It's not really that hot, but you got some ball security issues with Richardson. Say those remain. He fumbles a few times. DeAndre Jackson gets his chance, shows that he's a great blocker. He kind of takes over as the RB1. And then Jaden Nixon kind of comes in as that change of pace guy, and it's them two that end the year as the two leading rushers. Like, are you asking me to pick Richardson or that scenario? No, that's just I, – I could see that happening. That's how I, I just don't know what's going you, on. What's you happen with you could say – anything right now and i'd be like yep Spencer sanders leading rusher there you Uh, go i mean 668 yards rushing last season that's not outside the realm of possibility with this offense (laughs) it's really not i mean and if it if it is true i will be a little bit dubious about our chances this season but i'm gonna go with dominic richardson but you could talk me into any of them yeah no i agree okay let's go to receiver we're gonna get two we can answer them together. I wanted to separate these targets and yards. So who leads in targets and who leads in yards? And it can be the same person. Um, I don't think it's the same person. I think targets ends up, oh, golly. 
the Braden Johnson thing like complicates this for me. I want to say Jaden Bray gets the bulk of the targets, but it might be Braden Johnson. I mean, if, if he's playing that Z role and he's the connection is what they say it is. Um, I will go with Jaden Bray. Braden Johnson complicates it. And I will say that the leading receiver in terms of yards, and I this is going to be surprising, but I think my answer has changed about who is the the go-to target in terms of volume. I think yardage, I'll go with Braden Johnson. I think he could be a thousand yard receiver this year. Who were you wait, who did you say for targets? I, I said Jaden Bray is going okay. to get the bulk of the targets, but I think Braden Johnson ends up with the most receiving yards because he could he could have several 85 yarders this season. And I think I'm gonna lean the same way with Braden Johnson. I'm gonna go optimistic route. Like, you know, you and I have voiced that we don't love him at the Z spot, but it sounds like he's been performing really well. And that could be, you know, from some places we're hearing that it could just be smoke and rainbows. But we've heard it from, you know, our friends that were at Extreme Camp that he looked really good. I think it's going to be Johnson. My sleeper pick, though, is Langston Anderson. Just coming Ooh. on a couple games in and just kind of showing that he's the best receiver on the field. For targets, I really want to pick one of the slot guys, but I think I they're going to kind of split snaps when they're in 11 personnel. So I think I'm going to go Braden Johnson for both. I think I'm going to go Braden Johnson for yards and targets. That Z position. They love know, it. It The years when Tylen Wallace played the full year, he's you know 30 more receptions than everybody else. I'm not saying Braden Johnson's Tylen Wallace, but same thing with James Washington. Even last year with Tay Martin, I believe he was, yeah, 30 more receptions than Brendan Presley. So if, 80 to 50. If you would have asked me two months ago, I probably would have answered Brennan Presley for for the reason you just said you went away from it because I think they are going to split time. And I hadn't really considered that as possible, but the things we've heard about John Johnson, he's taken a step. So I really think that that slot position is going to be tough for one of those guys to be to separate themselves in either one of those categories against any of the outside guys. And I know we've kind of said this in the past, you know, with getting the Cowboy back involved, there are just other things, you know, that, you know, I think this is the year. I truly think this is a year where there's so many different receivers that have a lot of targets and a lot of receptions. I just think they're going to be rotating them in and out. You kind of have to, when you've got this many guys who aren't so much game experience. Well, and a lot of them are because a lot of the young guys got to play last year. Right. But when you've got your Langston Anderson, your Bryson Green, Jaden Bray, Rashad Owens, you know, John Paul, Brennan, even Braylon Presley, I think you've got to rotate these guys out. And I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of different guys making a lot of catches. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. I, I, I'm, I'm in. Okay, Kate. So. <laughs> Let's go before we get to Spencer Sanders over under 150 receiving yards for the Cowboy back position. And let's say Blaine green never plays a snap as a whole, 150 no, yards. No, no. Uh, what, sorry. One person does oh, okay. one Cowboy back up over 150. That's a no for me, dog. Um, I love Braden Cassidy. I just don't see it. 
I think it might be like right at 150, but I don't think there's any way you get close to like a 200 or even uh, what is Jarwin had like 300. I think I don't even think you get anywhere near that because guys like Jelani Woods were not really even cracking that number very often. Hundred percent, and that's kind of what I'm what I'm trying to figure out is like you just they don't design a bunch of plays for them, and when they do, they tend to be kind of gadget plays, something that the opponent's not going to see coming. Or it's a dump off in the flat and they go get 10 or 15 and they just don't do that very often. I, I don't see it. Yeah, I agree. Just wanted to throw that, throw that out. Yeah, thanks one. for that curveball. Okay, let's do three Spencer Sanders in a row. We've talked about this one several times and it's actually one of our questions. So we'll go ahead and hit it now and I'll, sh- I'll shout out the question later. Over under 10 interceptions. I'm going to go... And just gonna, to just to recap, eleven is freshman year, eight in twenty twenty, twelve last year. I'm gonna go over. Um, I just don't know if you can take that out of him completely, especially if you're gonna put the ball in his hand more this year. I think the opportunity is there now. If he goes under that, see you in Dallas. But I think it's over. Eight. I'm gonna go under. So see you in Dallas. Go, I'm going to go right <laughs> at nine. I'm going to go right at nine. I mean, if, if I'm wrong on that, I, I agree with you. I think, I think it's just something, I think they can still be a super successful team. If he throws 11, 12, 13, absolutely more than that, you're getting a little, a little out there. And I do think he's going to throw a lot of passes this year. So it's probably smarter to go over. I think he's going to have a lot of attempts. I'm and that's just all in. That's I'm where all the way in. <laughs> I love your optimism. And, and, and nobody take this as me being not optimistic. I literally am thinking 11 is a number. I'm not thinking 15 is the number. Um, I, I'm thinking it's right there in that 10 to 11, but I'm going to go over because I think he's going to throw the ball quite a bit more this year. Yeah. Okay. Over under 3,000 passing yards. So he was at 2,839 last over, year. Over, over. I think over as That's- well, even if, even if he threw – 17 interceptions. I still think he goes over that number. That's my lock of the show. Over. <laughs> and then last one, over under 650 yards rushing. So he's gone, what I say, 668 last year, and then 269 the year before, but his freshman year was 628. So he's been a little above, a little below that 650 number. And the only reason I put it at 650, a little bit less than last year, is you know, there's always the thought that they don't run him as much or he tries to throw it away more just due to some uncertainty at the backup quarterback spot, not from Mike Gundy, but from other people. Over. I love it. I'm going to go over as well. I think he's a 4,000-plus total yard type of player this year. So based on my predictions, he's probably going to win the Heisman. No, I'm dead serious. I I tweeted this tongue-in-cheek. I was in Kansas last week, and they're launching sports betting. And I drove past the Kansas Star Casino, and I said, I'm here for the 2023 Spencer Sanders Heisman Futures. That's not a joke, folks. I think this is the year. I love it. I love it. And, you know, if if we're wrong, Spencer has a bad year, come at us. We're ready for it. Yeah. We're here. Try try me. Try me in Boone Pickens State. (laughs) I will tattle on you so fast. Okay. Real quick one. Just rattle them off. I don't want you to even think super hard on this. Okay. 
who is the starting offensive line for the Baylor game? So the bye week is after non-con, and it'd be the fourth game going into Baylor at Waco. Name me the starting offensive line. Oh, I'll, I'll just go chalk. I think we get lucky on injuries this year. So I'm going to well, go. Well, not so much injuries, but do you think do you think a Brooks, Mahalski, or Weber can bump their way up? Not, not in three weeks. I, I don't think so in three weeks. I think in six weeks after seeing Jackson player and uh, Siaki Ika again, possibly, but not in three weeks. I'm going to go Etienne, Materko, Wilson, Woodard, Queso. So, okay. So if I was going to pick one, it's that right tackle spot. I mean, and, and that's really where you're going is Queso will be too good to keep off the field based on the current makeup of that offensive line. I think so. I think, and look, I love Jake Springfield. He's been here for a long time. I think he's a really smart offensive lineman. I think maybe there's just a few plays in the non-con where he gets beat, maybe physically outworked. I feel like I'm taking shots at him, and I think he's a good lineman. But I think Brooks is able to show that he can maybe do a little bit more in that aspect, There's kind of the strength power aspect, and still maintain kind of the foot quickness. And I think he's able to get into that spot. I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope Jake's just able to take it, and we can have some good depth there. But I, I can see Brooks kind of making his way in. Uh, I, I I like it. I'm I'm I could totally see that. Um, I mean, and that would be a, a nice thing, I would think. That would mean good things, but I just I can't pick it today. Yeah. All right. On to the defense. We did this overall sacks and everything from a Twitter question recently. So I kind of broke this up a little bit differently. Who leads the defensive line excluding the Leo position in sacks? Excluding the Leo position. I'll go Tyler Lacey. All right. I was gonna let's pull up how many he had last year. So Lacey would have been the leading defensive lineman last year. That's non-Leo. That's such a, a good question. That's such a good question. I, I'm going to go Tyler Lacey and Brendan Evers would be my dark horse. I like that. I, I think it's going to be, I think you're right with Lacey because I think he's going to be the, the biggest of the defensive linemen of the non-Leos. I think he's going to get the most snaps because he's going to be playing at that hand in the ground field side, strong defensive end and inside. Now, if he does play more inside, you know, it's a, it's a two gap read and react type system that Derek Mason has that probably could take away some of his sacks. Cause he's more kind of clogging things up, but I still think he gets so many more snaps than everybody else on the defensive line, non Leo that, that he, that he's the leading leader in sacks at the end of the season. Yeah. I, I love it. I think he's, I think he's going to have a, monster year dark horse colin clay <laughs> i just think the defense line's gonna rotate a lot i think they're gonna rotate a lot like last year man if he's um, if he's that good that would be fantastic that's just a hot take when i wanted to throw out there i, I said i'd throw a few yeah um welcome to the spice zone <laughs> who leads the leos so out of brock colin and trace basically it's got to be Colin, right? I mean, it's it almost feels like Emmanuel Ogba's like, you know, when he came back, it almost feels like that to me. I think it just he's just too good. I think the thing is, if they show some of what Mason did at Auburn with the two down and the two Leos out there, 
And one of those interior guys is Lacey and the other is in the C or an Evers or Colin Clay. What can the offense really do to kind of pay more attention to Oliver without just exposing themselves somewhere else? So I, I just don't know how much they're going to be able to do that. I'm sure they'll try, but I don't know how much they're going to be able to do that without just completely exposing themselves somewhere else. Cause if you have Martin or Ford or even Tyron <laughs> Irby on the other end, and then you've got Lacey and Evers in the middle, how much do you really want to put over there to block Oliver and just, you know, let somebody else have a free run. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is what gets me all warm and fuzzy inside is like, I don't know how you handle this Oklahoma state defensive line because of what they have on the interior and that they can absolutely cause significant issues for you. If you help too much on one side, uh, yeah. I mean, you, okay. You want to stop calling Oliver. Okay. Okay. Pour two at him. And then you want to leave trace Ford one-on-one. Good luck. Good luck. It's, it's going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive lines and just offensive coordinators in general to scheme against that. So what's, Um, what's your answer? I mean, is it, is it Colin or are you going to go? I'm going to go Colin. I'm going to go Colin as well. Sorry. I haven't really given a definite answer on a lot. (laughs) Um, (laughs) That was the only one I was like, okay. Cause I could totally see most defenses saying, okay, we're not going to like Colin Oliver go for three sacks. Like we'll take trace Ford getting one and a half. I yeah. could see what, to your point, what you mean by that. So I think Oliver's going to be out there a lot. I think Brock Martin's going to be out there a lot. I, I think it's Colin Oliver again, though. I think he's just too good. Yeah, I think so too. And the rest of the defensive line is too good. Okay. Let's go to, I, I don't want to leave the linebackers out, but we kind of already did this. And I think we both picked linebackers when we talked about sacks and tackles for loss. So I just want to do leading tackler again, just to see if anyone's answers change, but I'm going to go Xavier Benson. Yeah, it feels like I think like, you went Cobb last time. I, I think, think I went Benson, you went Cobb. I think I'll I think I'll come over to your side here. I, I either one of them are gonna be the leading tackler. I think it's Benson or I think it's Cobb, but I think the safer bet right now is Benson, probably. And I, I do think there's some guys like I, I think they might play a Kendall Daniels in the box at the oh. bandit strong safety position. I think he has a chance, you know, people say you don't want a corner safety to be your leading tackler. But in this case, I think it would be schemed that way at times. I could see him being up there. Obviously, Cobb talking about Oliver with the sacks. It's obviously going to bump up his tackles as well. Those interior guys, you could see them making a play. And Brendan Evers had a lot last year. Uh, we've heard, though, Mason. Lacey, so. We've heard Mason Cobb's the hardest hitter on the team. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, that doesn't necessarily lead to tackles, like in terms of volume, but he's going to be involved in so much okay leader in interceptions i think we did this one as well i went jason taylor i think i'll still stay jason taylor too for the reasons we listed last time we spoke about it it's just it's too hard to pick a cornerback when you're assuming mason's going to play a lot of man right even if not quarters i mean it's just the defensive backs are trying to Pass break up, stay on their man. It's not as much. I mean, you want to turn and look at the end, but it's not seeking interceptions, eyeing the quarterback like you would in a zone scheme as much. And who knows? I mean, maybe he does play just as much zone as man. We'll see. But I, I think Jason Taylor, I think anyone playing the kind of rover safety spot is your safest bet with yeah. a team that's playing a lot of cover one or even cover zero at times. So yeah. Um I, I think a dark horse there, obviously any of the other safeties. And maybe even the Xavier Benson. 
getting in the mix because we've seen how he does in coverage. Yeah, and my dark horse was actually going to be the other safety, Kendall Daniels. Like that was yeah. my second pick. So I agree. And Thomas you. Harper's a name to throw out, but you know he'll be he'll be that nickel spot, so he'll be actually covering the slot in man at times. So it'll be kind of similar to the uh, yeah. He's going to be he's going to be really relied on to be kind of a. a just anchor and coverage like mm -hmm. much like Slot those other corner. guys will be, but I think Taylor and Daniels are going to have more opportunities to, to get aggressive on playing routes. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Last one. Who has the better season Jabbar or Corey, man, there's just been so much talk about Jabbar Muhammad, and this is not anything against Corey black. Cause I think he's going to be great too. I, at some point, and it may be this year, but I think Jabbar Muhammad might be great week one. Yeah. I I think it's Jabbar as well. There's just been so much hype on him. And I loved Corey Black last year, but I think it's going to be Jabbar. And I think both of them are going to have great seasons. So, all right. I've, I've got, uh, I think I've got one for you here. Tanner Brown or Alex Hale? It sounds like it's Tanner Brown. Right. I think it's going to be Tanner Brown, which, you know, Alex Hale was the starter went down Tanner Brown came in came in and performed really well I think they're gonna roll out there with Tanner Brown first all right I've got another one for you I'm jumping around but I, I want to talk about this too touchdown receptions <laughs> I think I might actually go Ray there I think he's going to be a guy they look for in the red zone. Who did you have? I, I have Bray too for the exact same reason. Um, when I was thinking about that, it was it, it was visions of Jaden Bray jump balls. Like I, I think mm -hmm. that's that's going to be a play that they go to often in the red zone. It's going to be a play I think they go to often inside the 35. Um, he personally just, said it's his best attribute. Is, is Yeah, and, and I think that that's why I'll go with Jaden Bray. Um, my my other pick there, sleeper, it's going to be the other side of the field. It's Braden Johnson. I think he's just going to have a pretty big year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think those two are safe picks there. Kate, I did have – that was just my last one for the defense. I did have one more for you, obviously. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Let's hear it. So, I, I think most the mo most betting sites have Oklahoma State at like eight, eight and, eight and, and a half. half. Eight and a half is yeah. the popular line. So I'm going to bump it a little because I know we're both very optimistic. I'm going to put it over under nine wins. Oh, Lord. I think it's over. I think it's over. Um, I think this is a tough schedule. Okay. And I think they could have a really good year and still be a nine win team because of the way the schedule shakes out. But I think they have the least amount of questions for me of any team in the big 12 right now. So I'm going to go over and I, I just, I've said it since we started talking about it. I think they're back in Dallas. So I got to go over. I agree. I think they can make it as well. And I think, yeah, I think over nine. Okay. So I should have bumped it to like, 12. okay. Can I, can I ask you, do you have any more? Cause I want to do. No, that, that was it. I just had my, my last one was going to be how far does OSU make it, but we kind of answered that one. Well, so we, I think we have to go there, though. Let's talk a little Big 12 superlative. So we think Oklahoma State is, is, is one of the two spots. Who is the other in the Big 12 that Oklahoma State faces in December in Dallas? 
I want to say Baylor, but the problem is I'm not 100% sold on Shapen, not just his play, but his ability to stay healthy for a full season. I do love Aranda. I love their defense. It's also hard. You know how I feel about OU, but it, it's hard to bet against them. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I The thing about OU to me. I think I'm going to go Baylor. I'm going to go Baylor. Okay. I'd say they take the loss to OSU early and then go on a run. Mm, I just, I have the same questions you do. Um, I think they load up the defensive line. I have questions about the other levels of their defense. And I have questions about their quarterback. I mean, Shapin was nails against Oklahoma State in the first half. Second half, he was really, really shaky. Um, And I don't know what he looks like for an entire season. Um, And if he's good, then I think they're back in Dallas too. But if it's not Baylor, and don't take this as me thinking OU is going to be any good, but I just, I don't trust K-State. I, I think I've cooled on them a lot. And I, I, I think Texas has big issues. I, I think, I think they could be looking at another like five and seven, six and six type of year. I know they've got all the talent in the world. Um, the questions about offensive line though, and quarterback, just it's too much for me right now. Um, I think if it's, not Baylor, it's Oklahoma and Oklahoma State in the Big 12 title. Well, there's going to be that Big 12 team that surprises. But as of right now, I like you said, I just don't feel confident yeah. in anybody else. And I, like I said, I don't even really feel confident with Baylor and OU, but I feel more confident than them than every other team in the Big 12 right now. And I, I think I, it's interesting too because I think a lot of you know writers right now feel the way we feel about all the other big 12 teams about Oklahoma state. Like I think they're saying Oklahoma state lost too much on defense. They lost their coordinator, too many questions to answer. And and I'll wrap up with this. I just, I, I think they have the least amount of questions and I think, OU has the most they're, they're breaking in a whole new team. So to say that they're that odds on favorite is crazy to me. Um, But I think because that next level of the big 12, cannibalizes itself a little bit i think that's where ou ends up but i think i think they end up at three and i i guess i'll go baylor at two yeah no i I like that that question reluctantly all right all right hey should we get to listener questions i guess we should audio right yeah we do let's get it pulled up here and it's it's from none other than ryan winkle friend of the pod ryan thanks for thanks uh, ryan thanks for sending this in here Appreciate you as always. What's up, dudes? What do you think is the highest point total that this offense will score this season? And what do you think the lowest point total is that the defense will allow this season? Great question. Got to think about the schedule. So the defense one is hard because, and I say that because, one, I'm probably going to, I mean, I'm for sure going to get it wrong. So I just want to say that before anyway. But because if they, if they hold somebody to zero or three for most of the game, that means the offense is probably scoring some points. And I, even though last year at times it didn't happen, but <laughs> you're going to have, you know, some backups in on defense and they may give up some touchdowns, touchdown and a field goal late. So that's always a tough, it's always tough with the defense because if the defense is shutting a team out, 
they're probably not playing the first string is probably not playing the entire game in yeah. the big 12 i normal. agree with you i agree completely i will go lowest point total allowed three and i think it comes against arkansas pine bluff i think even the wait wait let's let's can we leave them out can we leave them oh out? sure to interrupt you sure i i think they're gonna score like 70 on Arkansas Pine Bluff. It's literally my score is like 63 to three in that game. So (laughs) I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Let's just go. We can leave. Honestly, we can leave central Michigan, Arizona state. And I just want to take out Pine Bluff. Sorry. I didn't mean to completely throw a rail in that (laughs) wrench in that. You're good. I'll go. I'll go 10. Um, But I think they can as well. I think it's a lot of games of 10, 13, 17, 20. Like, I I just don't think they're going to give up a lot of points. I think 10. I like 10. I, I made just to differentiate a little bit. I'm going to go nine, three field goals. Oh, <laughs> red zone machines. Iron yes. curtain is what you're saying. Okay. I like and it. Non Arkansas Pine Bluff, non Kansas game, high score. I'm going to go. Oh, God. Kansas. Sorry. Just shot across the bow. I'm going to go like. <laughs> 55. I say they just turn it on against somebody. Yeah, I'm going to go 60. I'm going to go 63. And it's probably going to come against KU. But I mean, man, it'd be pretty fun to throw 63 on tech. And it could happen. They got a lot. They got a lot going on down there. Like that's the thing. There's a couple of big 12 teams that I think may not be very good outside of Kansas. Now they could surprise me, like I mentioned earlier, but the. I think OSU could win some games pretty big. Now, the way OSU normally plays, that probably won't happen. But yeah, yeah based on what? Well, I mean, last year though they hammered TCU. Yeah, hammered sixty-three Tech. on TCU. Yeah, I mean, last year felt a lot like twenty eleven at times, and a lot like twenty nineteen. But anyway, uh, yes, that's that's my answer. I think they're going to hang sixty-three on on a Tech or a, uh, gosh, yeah, Tech. That's my answer. Enjoy your Twitter poll victory. <laughs> okay, so for Twitter questions, we got several in the DMs throughout the week. So try to grab all those. Guys, if I missed one, my bad. I tried to go back through today and grab them all. Really appreciate the questions. I know normally when you guys ask them in there, I'll probably just hit them on the pod. But if you ever do want to chat, just let me know this is a non-pod question. But normally I'll hit them on there. I normally try to ask if that's okay, but... The first one is from uh, Roasty, at Roasty1. Had a lot of kind words to say about the podcast. Really appreciate that. He said he was curious as to whether there's a billboard showing entering freshmen and outgoing junior-senior photos for players, mostly football-focused, as a way to see how significant Rob Glass's program works. I'm 100% sure that exists within inside the program, but that would be really, really cool to see. He called out like an Emmanuel Agba, but even like this year at Caleb Etienne, and his was a weight loss as opposed to kind of a gain. He gained muscle and like lost some fat there or a Tyrone Weber putting on weight. I think that'd be really cool to see. I, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure they have that in the football locker room for sure. Yeah, if they don't, they should. I mean, throw that in the in the mezzanine of the football like operations area, like 100%. <laughs> he also says what details do you know that occur on an official visit i think it kind of differs with each guy but you know they'll have a they'll have a player chaperone so you know 
depending on what position they are, if it's a wide receiver, maybe it's a John Paul Richardson, the defensive lineman, maybe it's a Brock Martin or Brendan Evers. They'll most likely go to Gundy's house and eat there. I know a lot of players do that. They normally go to dinner somewhere in Stillwater, um, one of the more popular restaurants. They'll go to a practice. If it's during the season, they'll go to a, they'll go to a game. Um, and it's normally, you know, Friday, Saturday, leave Sunday type of thing. That's from everything I've known about Oklahoma state and heard from, you know, friends maybe that visited back when we were younger or just from what you see about the recruits visits now when they get interviewed, that's, I think that's normally kind of the layout. Kay, did I miss anything? No, I, you just, there's also the swing in by the Sigma new house for the, the occasional party, Laquan Treadwell style <laughs> shout out for sure. There's definitely, there's definitely some parties going on for sure. Um, Really appreciate that, Roasty, and thanks again for the kind words. Uh, Jason at Cool Young Luck, he just you know he just wanted to bring up Thomas Harper. That's that's pretty much his question. He he also said that he called Devin Harper as an NFL guy by like week two last year. Love that call out. Uh, he also brought up Tanner McAllister. Thinks that was a pretty big loss, but he thinks Thomas Harper reminds him a lot of Tanner be a little bit more physical just kind of wanted to know our thoughts and he also had some kind words for the podcast so appreciate that jason hey i feel like thomas harper we kind of don't talk about him very much i know we brought him up a little bit on this podcast but it's like when a guy's solid but he's not a guy that's going to be making a ton of interceptions or tackles because he's going to be playing that slot corner that nickelback position he maybe sometimes gets a little left off and i feel like that happened at times with Tanner McAllister and you know we yeah. always said he was really good but it's hard to always see it in game with, yeah, with guys that play that position he's he's a guy that needs to make a jump to me though you know I, I think there's been times where he's gotten twist around in coverage and it's like usually is the one with with you know back to the quarterback trying to track down his receiver um and and that's I'm not knocking Harper, but I think there's a there's a valid reason why, you know, when you started talking about McAllister and Converse and and Trey Sterling and all these other guys, Jason Taylor, Kendall Daniels, I think there's a valid reason why. Um, but I, I think if he makes that jump, then he he gives this defense so much more if he does. Yeah, I completely agree. And and you're right on him you know, getting some twists around at times in coverage, he's got to be sound in coverage at that spot. So you're right. I think there needs to be a little bit of a jump. He's apparently shown a lot in the leadership department throughout spring, summer, and fall. So hopefully that translates to the field, but I think, it, I think big things are going to be happening this year for Thomas Harper. I think he's a really good player. Yeah. I love it. I would, that Thanks. would be fantastic. Jason also said that uh, he thinks Jaden Bray is going to be the best NFL wide receiver prospect out of Oklahoma state since Blackman. So Whoa. no offense to Washington or Wallace, he says, but he's real high Whoa. on Jaden Bray. Okay. All right. I like it. I like it. I like where Jason's head's at. Uh, You're next on my list, got... sir. <laughs> next up, we got Nathan at a Cowboy State. Okay. He says, uh, says big fan of the pod. Really appreciate that, Nathan. He's been listening to a lot of national, independent, and even Big 12 sources out there saying that, Oklahoma State won't be as good this season because the inexperience in the defensive backfield and Spencer Sanders is just Spencer Sanders. So his question is, how big of a jump would Spencer Sanders have to make to get national relevance? How many interceptions on the year get him over the same old Spencer narrative? Honestly, to answer that second part of the question first, 
because what we talked about earlier, if he throws for over 3,000 and rushes for 650, I think even if he throws 12 interceptions again, oh, I don't. I think he'll change that narrative for sure. 100%. I mean, do you agree? It's hands down, and and he could throw 15 picks, and if he <laughs> if he has a nearly 4,000 total yard season, he'll be talked about in a better light. People people nationally don't care about interceptions as long as you throw touchdowns and run for touchdowns and make highlight plays. So I totally yeah. agree with you. I think if he's if he's right at the right at the edge of double digits there like the 10 11 those for over 3000 and gets anywhere near 600 625 650 rushing yards that will change the national perspective on him because if he does that Oklahoma State's going to win a lot of games yep no no doubt thanks thanks Nathan for that question love we love the Spencer Sanders one any Spencer Sanders ones uh Brandon Ramos at Brandon Ramos. He sent a few in. Appreciate his questions always. He said he just read a pistols firing article on Jabbar Muhammad and Durant Williams uh, gets mentioned at one point. He says, is it just me or does he seem to be forgotten or hardly mentioned when talking about OSU football greats? I think that with him, like I, I think he's just kind of getting at the fact that he's not really brought up in kind of any kind of memory messages or anything like that. Uh, and just thought, I think he's just calling that out that it's kind and of I, odd to him. I would say that, yeah, there's probably some truth to that. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think it's kind of tough sometimes to get everybody in there, especially, you know, players on the defensive side of the football, but I don't, I, I do agree with him. I, I don't really know how, you know, much to go into it there. I just think that, you know, he's a guy, he, he was a top round draft pick, right? Um, he was, as a matter of fact. I, I'm I looking. Think, hold on, I'm looking it up. I'm looking yeah, up. show him as a second. Yeah, second I mean, round. He he was. And he died what? 2007. Yeah. Yeah. He so, he only played it, a couple years weird. in the NFL. I I think it. Yeah, I think there's some truth to that. I, I don't have much other much else to add um, other than I would agree with it. And um, yeah, still still tragic to this day. So I, I think for me personally, and I know I use this excuse a lot, but it was a little bit before my time as an Oklahoma State fan. And outside of, you know, the Barry Sanders, Mike Gundy, Hartley Dykes, you know, the Leslie O'Neill's, I don't always remember every player until we kind of talk about them or yep, look into them and stuff 100%. like that. So that, that, that might be my personal perspective on it, but I, I completely agree. Yeah. Okay. That was all from the DMS. Uh, we've got the Twitter ones pulled up. Kate, did you want me to run those or do you have them pulled up? I will go ahead and uh, run through the Twitter mentions. I'll give your vocal cords a rest. You've, you've been carrying the pod here on your big <laughs> shoulders. Um, all right, let's just go back here to the last couple. And and again, we got a ton. So big shout out to you guys for engaging with us and, and staying with us. Um, this one is from Pistol Paul at Paul Tai 2. Heard from Robert Allen that Collier is no longer on the team. Is there a chance he might return? If not, how does that impact the depth on the offensive line? Would assume Brooks is the third tackle. Who would be the fourth? We obviously talked a little bit about this, Dustin, but that that note there about assuming that Brooks is the third tackle, you even touched on that just a minute ago. Yeah, I Austin Kowecki is who Robert Allen has there, but 
you made the point earlier in the podcast that if it was to get to him, you think there would be some shuffling on the offensive line. And I, I kind of agree if there's no injuries anywhere else, I think they may shuffle before throwing a true freshman out there, especially if it was like the Baylor game that they were needing to do that. I think they may shuffle, you know, like you said, Preston Wilson's played guard and tackle. Now he's at center. Materko has played tackle and guard. Yep. Woodard would probably stay at the guard spot, but you've got Maholsky that can play guard and center. So you could move Preston Wilson out if you needed to. I, I know they really don't want to do that. Eli Russ can play center and guard. So I think you've got some options, but I think to answer the question, the fourth tackle on the depth chart is probably going to be Kowecki. Yeah, it's not fourth. And to to your point, all that shuffling on the offensive line could lead to Brooks appearing pretty early. So I don't I don't know if it's two, three, or four, but it's probably not four. Um, yeah, so I feel pretty good about that. Um, Agreed. We've got another one here from Corbett Klein, who's become a friend of the podcast here. At Corbett Klein says over under two and a half punt return or kick return. So he's saying total touchdowns for Brendan Presley this season. And he has another question. Will Rodrigo's success so far for the Lions and it being on hard knocks help future defenders at OSU not drop so far in the draft? Um, Dustin, I'll go under because three kick return or punt return touchdowns in a season would be absolute madness. And I don't think we've seen that since Tyreek Hill. So if if he takes one punt back, they're not going to kick to him anymore. Hundred percent. I mean, Tyreek Tyreek did have three that one year, and that was crazy. Now, one thing we did talk about is kick return. If you do have a Braylon Presley out there who we've heard has returned several in practice, maybe you, ha- you have to kick to one of them. Yeah, and and you know I. Also, even a John Paul Richardson out there or Jaden Nixon, all four of those guys have the ability to take one back, the dynamic ability and the speed. That's so just if you so if you many. got it's so many. I'm gonna go under as well. I just wanted to throw that out there. If if it ends up being the Presley brothers back there and your kicker can't kick it out of the end zone, you gotta You're done. one of them. Yeah, somebody's yeah. kid and and does Oklahoma I love State the line? Them? I know. Do they get a little more aggressive on what kicks they return? Like in the past, it's been if it's in the end zone, you're taking it at the 25. Do they get any more aggressive on what gets brought out of the end zone? It's something to watch. I doubt it, knowing Mike Gundy, but we'll see. I doubt it as well. But yeah, we'll see. I'm going to go under just because just of the OSU I know. All right. Here's one from Glory Cowboy. Oh, uh, and on the, on the Malcolm Rodriguez. Oh, thank sorry. you. Thank I, you, Dustin. No, thanks. I would love to say yes, but just seeing what happens to OSU defenders besides like the top guys is probably no. Yeah, his history says no. Um, but Rodriguez, I mean, you know, you have to figure out he's probably going to go down as one of the best defensive players in Oklahoma State history. So I don't really know if this changes much about the perception of Oklahoma State's draftability. But good question, Corbett. Um, here's one from Glory Cowboy at Gorig Sankar. Who will be the most talked about defensive player in the linebacker and safety group who hasn't started last season and why? And Ben says over under Sanders, Spencer Sanders, 10 interceptions this season total. We already answered that. So talking about the top players in the linebacker and safety group, Dustin, I feel like we answered that one too, right? I think the best, I think like the defensive MVP out of that group is 
I'm going with Xavier Benson, but when he says talked about, kind of going yeah. back to what I said about Kendall Daniels before about him making big plays, but maybe also giving up big plays, he might be the most talked about. And I think Benson might be the defensive MVP out of that group. I, I love everything you just said. And <laughs> yeah, talked about doesn't always mean good. I mean, I, we just talked about Thomas Harper, uh, but I, I think you're, you're spot on there. I, I'll take Daniels at the safety spot for the exact reasons you laid out and Benson for being the guy that steps into that role and does an admirable job. So here's yeah. one from Oakley Burklow at Buffalo. What players do you think have a chance to become starters by the end of the year that are not for game one? So players that, you know, obviously are not starting, but could fill in for somebody who's injured or just take over that spot in general. Jason Brooks, Langston Anderson. I think those are my two on offense on defense i guess colin clay because i said that already as my hot take earlier i just i don't know on the defensive backfield because i like all those guys and the the guys behind them you know we've heard kim smith's done well we've heard raymond yeah. gay's done well but do i think any of those guys are gonna take over and the linebacker spot, we've heard a lot of good things about Nick Martin, now Dizadere, Donovan Stevens, but I like Cobb and Benson, so I think the only spot I can go is the interior defensive line on defense. Yeah, I mean, I I agree with you on defense 100%. I don't even really have anything to add there, but I, I will go DeAndre Jackson at running back. I, I, I like he, that. I think he could start by the end of the year. Just ball security, pass blocking could just end up becoming one and, and Richardson slides to two. It's a fun question. Hey. And what a beautiful segue you just made yeah. the next question. 100% from M at underscore camera one underscore says, what percentage chance do you give DeAndre Jackson of securing the RB2 spot this season? I mean, Real high. Technically 100. 100% <laughs> is what I just said. I'm going to say, I'm going to say high as well. I'm going to say like 75% because it, it just seems like he's a guy that performs well when the lights come on. We've talked about the pass blocking way too much. And he's kind of a he's kind of a unknownish wild card that was a decently high recruit, and I think you and I are just leaning towards the fact that we believe what we've heard. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Just I, I feel better about him than than any of the others. Ollie Gordon's a total wild card. He could start. He could be a freshman. And Jaden Nixon just might not be physically there. He may have yeah the, the body the, the two hundred fifteen yeah. pounds is yeah. big for DeAndre Jackson so I I totally agree good way great question uh here's a great one from Ross Lawyer at our lawyer underscore two twelve how delicious is the eighteen ninety original which we didn't get to talk about Iron Monk obviously distributing a new beer brewed in collaboration for Oklahoma State and this is the fastest way to my heart Dustin is a question about craft beer I haven't had it yet have you had a chance to sample. I haven't. So it was released on the 20th, right? Right. And I've seen and people getting we it. Were we were both out of town and I'll also be out of town again this weekend. So I, I think the first time I'm going to try it is at the game on Thursday. Well, uh, and I actually will be out of town this weekend as well. I don't want my first time to be at the stadium, but there's something special about that too, right? Cracking open a yeah, 1890 I'm in the stadium. You might hold on. I'm to almost that. looking forward to that. And also I my wife, I I don't even think she knows about this beer or anything. So that's gonna be a surprise when she sees the can with the pistol peat head on it. So 
that'll be fun as yeah, well. Yeah, I can't can't wait to hear how the 15 minute uh dialogue you give her about how what what this beer is, <laughs> what it means. Like it's gonna be fantastic. Okay. From Kyler Whitus, Gundy goes for win number 150 against Central Michigan, which would put him at number 63 all time. Uh his question to us is what win total do you think he ends his career with? I have a pretty strong opinion here. Yeah, I'll, I might let you take this one, and if I agree, I might just go with it because I I didn't see this one before, and oh. I'm going to have to think. So Gunnar Gundy is a redshirt freshman. Let's say he gets three years as the starter, right? And, and those three are – because you got to add the COVID year, right? So let's say those three are after Spencer Sanders last year, next year. <laughs> so I'm going to give Oklahoma State two more nine-win seasons. That puts him at 18 more wins, 181. And I'll say he retires at 220 wins total. Because I think he I like makes it. it through Gunner's tenure. I like it. And maybe Gage. Gage is supposed to be a stud. So who knows? It could be 250. Yeah, I, I think I think I like I think I like where you're going. I, I don't know if I like the gun gunner gundy three year starter, but I like everything else that you said. Just saying, I <laughs> I'm just saying prep yourself. No, I think it's a good call. I did I think it's a good call out. I mean, unless Hudson Cards comes to Oklahoma State, shout out. Um Philip O'Donnell. <laughs> Thoughts on Gundy's top 15 wins from OSU Max series, specifically the top three. Dustin, have you seen the final three? I don't actually have them. I haven't watched so, them yet. They're out, and I think they came out a few days ago. I've watched all of them except for those three. Okay, so how about this? Philip, can we talk about it next week? Because I haven't watched or even know the top three, unless you have them in front of you, Dustin. I don't have them in front of me, but I believe 2011 Bedlam was three. Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame was one. And and then Fiesta Bowl, Stanford is probably two. I think so. I think that's how it went. I think that was the order. We'll I look it up, but thoughts overall on the series has been great. I think the fact that they're five, six, seven minutes long has been awesome. I think having Gundy and former players come on, even guys that left OSU a while ago, has been really cool. I wish the video was better for some of the older games. Like it's like clips from Gundy's radio show. <laughs> How good? But yeah, yeah. Sorry, it's 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 good stuff. I, I've I've loved I've loved every single one so far. How good is Rashetti Jones? I mean, he, he's hilarious. He and Jamie Blattnick couldn't be more different. They should have had them together instead of separate. In their scenes talking, they should be like just doing a podcast. Jamie might kill Rashetti. And I mean, <laughs> I don't know if Rashetti ever stopped smiling. He's he's got to be an amazing person to be around. Which is probably oh, yeah. the, I love he's that the he's role he is. Yeah, I love that he's director of player development. That's such a good spot for him to be. All right. Here's one from Baker and Brady. I don't even want to this one scares me. I don't know why it's Baker, but we'll look over it. Theoretical scenario. Mike Gundy retires right now. Who are the first three people OSU calls about replacing him as head coach? Golly. I mean, we've said this before. Zach Robinson is probably on the list, right? But yeah, I think for sure Zach Robinson's on there. Um, 
if he retires right now, you know, see, like if it was a few years down the road, maybe a JW Walsh, which wouldn't really be a call. It would be like a yell since he's in the Oklahoma State Department. The are yeah. <laughs> nice. really it's gonna be hard for me to name three. Do you have three? I don't have three. Um I mean, and there's really no like obvious pick. Like I like if you asked me, I would be very skeptical if Zach Robinson was the next head coach at Oklahoma State. I think he would get a call, but I don't I don't see that. Derek Mason. Yeah, if he retired right now, yeah. You could even maybe try to get Jim Knowles to come back. <laughs> There's He's a, literally retiring right now. This is too stressful. I don't want to talk about this. Um, I do love the question, though, uh, Baker and Brady. I do, too. Very good question. I do, too. Um, and it's actually Grayson Baker and Brady Vaughn. It's actually a Big 12 sports podcast. So I was a little nervous about the Baker reference there, but glad we cleared <laughs> that up. Uh, just names, you know, and last just names. That's all this is. And then lastly, it, yeah, we did. So the last, I was looking at the last one. I pulled it up as well. It, we did conference. Matt Claxton is asking yeah. at road crew one. Matt always sends us great questions. I was just thinking we did the conference picks. Did we do playoff? No, we sure didn't ever talk about any other football team outside of this one. <laughs> all off season. I, I don't even have. I don't even know if I have a good playoff pick. Um, how about this? chalk? How about this? yeah, right? How about this? I'll go Alabama. I'll put Ohio State in there for sure. Um, give me a twelve-win Utah for fun. Okay, like it, and then give me Oklahoma State. That's fine. That's fine with me. That'll be my answer as well. Deal. That's and nobody put that on Twitter. Okay. All right. Dustin, <laughs> any other final thoughts? I mean, what a show. That was fun. I love talking, you know, I love talking depth chart or anything X's and O's related. So had a lot of fun. Seasons of Perlatives were really fun. Guys, I, I'm not going to say it again. Actually, I am. Thanks so much for the questions. It, it means like, it really means a lot to us. I know I said we weren't going to get emotional and weird again, but Really appreciate that. Please keep them coming during the, during the season and make them as specific as you want. I will be charting running schemes, targets, uh, the way they kind of set up on defense. I'll probably add some stuff now, just if they're able to go two down, three down, four down. I'll add some stuff in about the defense. I'm going to do my Twitter breakdown. So be as specific as you want to Cade and I, because we're both going to rewatch the game. We're both going to try to break it down. We're going to preview the next week. And we're, we're just ready for football season. But don't be surprised if next week we just talk Central Michigan, do questions, and get out of here. It's going to be previews, breakdowns, and questions from here on out until pretty much the end of football season when basketball starts. Yeah, and it, it's going to be so much fun. I can't wait. But this podcast is going to look a little different, Dustin. It's uh, it's going to be a good ride, though. This is this is going to be a fun year. Maybe, maybe one uh, – to remember hopefully especially if Oklahoma State's in the playoff but you know Dustin one thing I wanted to say before we get out of here is is we we owe somebody in particular a thank you and that is Price Buckley um, who has been a sponsor with us since really we started and uh, venturing into this new season uh, just a thank you to him um, who has stuck with this podcast and is going into a, this football season and obviously 
You could still reach Price at 469-757-0290 on his website at edwardjones.com forward slash Price hyphen Buckley. But um, he deserves a thank you for his partnership with the show. And it's important to note, we're in the market and this podcast is booming. So if you or if you're a local business or you know a local business, we got a nice listenership in Oklahoma City and Dallas and Tulsa and anywhere else you probably need. So give me a shout. Give Dustin a shout. And uh, let's see what we can do. Love it. Thanks, Kate. All right. And thanks, Price. If you're not already, follow us at Feels Like 45 Pod on Twitter. Follow Dustin at Dustragu and follow me at Cade Webb. And we will see you back here next week for a preview of Central Michigan. Go, folks.